the discussionarium here we are in season two episode one um so we're going to take a slightly different tap this season and we're going to move on with some slightly more challenging subjects in this episode we're going to discuss down syndrome and we want to look at some of the positives of bringing a child with down syndrome into the world uh, because it must be a scary prospect for anybody facing the possibility that their child may have down syndrome or finding out at birth that the uh, child has down syndrome um, and there are a lot of misconceptions and there's a lot of misunderstanding and some negativity around down syndrome and none of that is helped by people like Richard Dawkins, the evolutionary biologist, uh, posting things like this on Twitter. Now, this was from 2014, when in response to a woman's hypothetical question about whether to carry to term a child with Down syndrome, he wrote, abort it and try again. It would be immoral to bring it into the world if you have the choice. Now, let that just sink in for a moment. Then in further statements, uh, he tried to justify himself by saying that his view was rooted in the moral principle of reducing overall suffering whenever possible. In this case, that of the individuals born with Down syndrome and their families. Now, we're going to talk with three parents of children with Down syndrome. And uh, I defy you to say that they're views, their opinions, their experiences coincide with the bleak outlook that Richard Dawkins would present. Joining us in the discussionarium this time, we have Lou Cooper, we have Katie Christie, and we have John McSherry. And all of them are parents of children with Down syndrome. Before we get going properly, if you could give us a little bit about yourselves. So maybe if we start with Lou, just give us a little bit of about yourself and maybe if you're happy to, the name and age of your child. Yeah, no problem. Hello. Um, I have two children. My youngest one is Billy. He's uh, 11 years old and he has Down syndrome. I have an older son as well who's 13 um, Nathan, and um, I was what you would uh, you would call a geriatric mother. I had Nathan at forty, and I had Billy at forty two. Both of them were IVF. Um, so I guess I knew that there was a, a higher chance that I would have a, a child with Down syndrome. But to be honest, it wasn't on my radar at all. So when I had the first scan with Billy, uh, I, I, the results came back as a ch- high chance of having a child with Down syndrome, one in 100, which I thought were really good odds, actually. So we declined any further tests because because of them both being IVF, both my children being IVF. In fact, Billy's been in a freezer for two years, so um, see before he was implanted. So we, we kind of refused any further testing because we we wanted this baby, whatever, I guess. Um 
anyway also we weren't going to have a child with down syndrome because it wouldn't be me and um so then uh 30 weeks we had scan because i was i had gestational diabetes and uh, they found that there was a blockage between his stomach and his um his bowel which again is common with children with down syndrome um because i googled it obviously dr google all the way and um so at that point, we thought we would have amniocentesis because there wasn't any risk of miscarriage at that time, just to prepare us for if he did have Down syndrome, which obviously he did. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so we found out he was born four weeks later. So he was born at 34 weeks, had an operation at birth. Um, and, then, and that's it. I guess he was out of hospital after three weeks. And, and then we just got on with our, our lives. I mean, it's not simple as that. Obviously, it's very complicated, but, I, uh, <laughs> but that's our basic story. Okay, mm-hmm. John, maybe do you want to give us a little bit of yeah, your background? When, when James's mother was pregnant, there was a pregnancy that wasn't planned. Um, she actually had the coil fitted at the time. So when she fell pregnant, we were surprised. Um, but we thought, fair enough, you're pregnant, we'll deal with it. You know, it's there. The same resolution, we were, the nurse came around to visit us on a Sunday night, which was strange in itself, to say that um, results had come back and the odds of Mary being carrying a child with Down syndrome was 230 to 1. Now, odds, they didn't explain what the average was or, you know, what was normal odds or whatever. It was just 230 to 1. Which to me, if somebody said to me, the odds of you kicking that ball in that net is 230 to 1, the chances are it ain't going to happen. What they hadn't said was the average odds was 2,000 to 1. So therefore, they didn't actually emphasise that the 230 to 1 was a high risk. So we didn't give it much thought. What did ring alarm bells was the nurse had said, well, I booked you an appointment for nine o'clock tomorrow morning at the hospital where it will be conclusive whether or not you're carrying a child with Down syndrome and therefore then you can make the decision as to abort or carry on. Having the test would carry the risk of miscarriage. So we discussed it there and then with the nurse and we already had a disabled child and we said, well, if he's got Down syndrome, he's got Down syndrome. You know, it's, we'll deal with it. I'm not going to abort a life because it's not perfect. And we went ahead and we had it. Uh, we didn't really give it much thought at all throughout the rest of the pregnancy because I had it in the back of my mind and so did my wife at the time that 230 to 1 were really, really good odds. You know, I didn't see that as being a high-risk odd. So we didn't think about it until when James was born. Um, it was a bit strange. The way, as soon as he was born, the midwife was behaving a bit funny, brought in a doctor to examine him, you know, with the check, the hands, the feet, and all the rest of it. And it just felt, there's something going on here, but they're not telling us it. But, and, you know, we kept asking the questions, is everything okay? And we were, yeah, yeah, everything's good. And that was that until the following morning. When I went to the hospital to visit my wife and James in the hospital, we were called into a side room to speak to a nurse. We said the doctor wanted to speak to us. And then he broke the news to us. Oh, 
your child has Down syndrome and we have to take him away to special for the baby and all the rest of it for to do heart check and all the rest of it. And then the next thing we know, she was being ushered off the ward and put into a side room. It was like all of a sudden her child had the plague. It was how it felt. You know, she was taken straight off the ward and put into a side room on her own. And James was then taken off to a special care baby unit to have his heart checked to see if there was any problems with his heart. And it came back that he did actually have a hole in his heart. And that was that. Um, initially, I, f- I feel quite ashamed to say it. Initially, I was devastated. I felt like I'd been kicked in the nuts. The whole the wind had been knocked out of me. I blamed myself. It's the I went out and I got absolutely rat assed. Excuse my language. I do apologise. I went out and got absolutely blitzed and felt a bit sorry for myself for a day or two. And then I, you know, gave myself a kick up the back thinking, but so what? You know, this child's my son and I love him. We'll deal with it. But the initial. Maybe it was the way it was done, I don't know. Maybe it was me being selfish or whatever, I don't know. But initially when they told me, I I was devastated. Perhaps we can come on to that because I think it is how the medical professionals maybe handle that situation and maybe we can touch on the way they deal with you has a kind of initial impact and maybe a knock-on effect. Is that okay? Um, So, Katie, maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your child. Okay, um, yeah, my story is a little bit different. Um, we didn't have a clue that my son Zach had Down syndrome um, until he was born. Um, I was 29 at the time and um, textbook pregnancy, nothing wrong until I was about 36 weeks pregnant and the midwife had said that my bump was quite measuring small. Um, so she sent me to have a, um, a scan done at that point where they found that the placenta was small. Um, so clearly wasn't feeding the baby properly. So again, no indication that uh, the child had Downs. Um, so from that point, um, went back to the hospital weekly for heart uh, monitoring for the child. And on the due date, I was in um, anyway for the heart monitoring, but I had realised that I'd gone into labour, but very, very early stages, so I didn't know. Uh, so they induced me there and then and on the first contraction they realized the heart rate the baby's heart rate dropped and then um, came back to normal and then on the second contraction same thing happened but they and they said at that point right we need to get the baby out so I had him by emergency c-section which was a big shock to the system as well um so emergency c-section he was born I went off to um recovery and baby went off with dad and midwife whilst he was getting checked out and my husband said to the midwife at that point is it just me or is there something different about um the child um uh, we we hadn't named him at this point so that's why I'm saying the child um and the midwife said to him has anybody said anything to you to which he said no uh, just looking at him he looks a little bit different um, so she did say, look, you know, they have tested him for Down syndrome. Uh, they've done the checks on the hands and the feet and things like that. Um, but the doctors will speak to you about it later. Um, but it does look like, you know, there's a high possibility that he has Down syndrome. So when we got to ward, the baby was next to me, all swaddled up with his little blanket on. And Wayne said to me at that point, my husband said, look, before they say anything to you, I need to tell you that there's a strong possibility that he's got Downs. Um, which was 
a huge shock. And of course, we were both, no, he hasn't. Look at him, you know, he's a perfect little baby. And then we panicked. We thought, what are we going to do if he does? Like, we, we're too young. We don't know what we're doing. First child, no idea. Um, then we slapped sense into ourselves and was like, he's a little baby. He knows no different, you know, who, who, it, what will be, will be. So we got moved to a sideboard, same as um, John, mainly because people kept coming around and poking and prodding the child and uh, sticking pins in him and taking bloods and all the rest of it. And, of course, everyone was having a good look. So they moved just to a sideboard. Um, and, yeah, three days after, he'd had all the all the different checks done, went into Skaboo for the heart scanning, heart, mon- um, heart scan, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they confirmed then that he had Down syndrome. Um, and that was it. We just went, all right, and away we went <laughs> and got on with it. John, your initial reaction was a bit sort of beat yourself up, but you came round to that kind of thing. Well, what will be will be. Both Lou and 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 Katie, you kind of said, well, okay, yeah, that's it. We'll get on with it. Oh well, I I was quite economical, saying that we just took him home and got on with our lives. That wasn't like that at all. I just oh, wanted okay. to let the others have time to speak. But for me, when we found out, it was like two weeks before he was born. I cried and cried and cried. I mean, John, you said you went out and got drunk. I just cried. I cried <laughs> and cried. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about Down syndrome. I didn't know anyone with Down syndrome. I didn't know anyone with a disability. Uh, I felt angry. You know. Um, no, I cried, and when and I was terrified. I think I was quite pleased that Billy came early, so that I didn't have to worry anymore. I just had to get on with learning about Down syndrome. But it took me it took me a long time actually um, to get to get used to it. And when you were saying about negativity, and you know, um, John's wife was put partner was put in a you know separate room. You, I think I, I run a Down syndrome support group now, and we find that all the time. People just get ushered into a private room like it's something to be ashamed of, and I'm that's happening really now. Really I think really there's a stigma attached to it that that we can't shake off quite as easily as we we would like. I felt as soon as James was diagnosed, and that was it. It was like he had leprosy, and that's yeah. how I felt the hospital treated us. Do Do you think there's some of uh, some of that is though? Um, it's almost a misguided attempt to protect you, to put you into one side, so you don't feel you're under scrutiny almost, but actually you feel worse because you're being almost segregated. Is Do you think it's that misguided thing, or do you think there is a a, a kind of Let's just push them into the corner. I think I think with a lot of training, I think a lot of professionals don't know what to do when they come up against uh, something like Down syndrome. I think they have very outdated ideas, you know, like Richard Dawkins saying that the child suffers. We all know that our child doesn't suffer. We all know that, I mean, our lives might be different. Yeah, but... <laughs> But it's not bad. It's not worse because we've got a child with Down syndrome. It's different for sure. I mean, that's that's what, how I would see it. I think a lot of professionals, they panic through lack of education and mm. um, and up-to-date knowledge about Down syndrome. That's my opinion. So yeah. I've, I felt like I was actually quite lucky with the experience I had because um, through doing a couple of the groups when Zach was born, um, listening to other people's stories I, I felt it, either I was just completely blinkered to the whole thing anyway but I felt actually that they'd moved me to the side room because really people were sort of what's going on there being a bit nosy more than anything and actually I didn't want them looking at 
Zach being pr- pricked with pins and all the rest of it and kind of listening into what's going on and all the rest of it. So I was actually quite pleased to have been put to one side. And actually with the the doctors and nurses, there was only one thing that, and I still to this day, and I, um, Dr. Thacker, who was the paediatrician at the time, was mm-hmm. horrified, is that one of somebody has written in his, um, you know, the red baby book that you get, the charts and that, um, a brief description of him and and the words that they used were his mongoloid um, appearance. And I was fifteen years dis- ago. Yeah, I was disgusted. That's the that's the only negative that I had experienced without with through the whole exp- um, time because the the pediatrician that came round to to confirm that he had di- um, Down syndrome said to us, look, he gave us a couple of booklets and said, look, just to let you know, he's got trisomy, this blah, 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 all the rest of it. And he said, I can't tell you the future of your child, of your baby. He said, but I can't tell any of those people out on that ward the future of their child. He said, so, you know, and it was at that point, I just thought, well, yeah. And he said, you know, the typical traits that people go on about are laziness, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, yeah, Zach's not going to be like that. And I've, to this day, I've still not read a book about Down syndrome. I've still not. <laughs> I've not paid any attention to any of it because I'm just like, do you know what? He's a child. Every child is different. We will just take every day as it comes. And that's how we've lived with it, basically. So I've, I've actually, compared to a lot of people, we've been we've had quite a positive experience with the whole thing in terms of other people that have been involved. The only mm. thing we do anything positive from the hospital was when Dr. Fakar was James's consultant. Yeah, she and was amazing. Amazing, amazing woman. Mm. But up until we met her, we were very, didn't know a lot. I mean, Dr. Fakar, I couldn't tell you how amazing that lady is, explained everything to us and went and carried on. I mean, she was James's consultant for about 13, 14 years. Yeah. Unfortunately, retired. And she explained everything to us every step of the way. But until the point where we met her, we'd had nothing positive from the hospital at all. I was told by the midwife uh, who gave us uh, our results. Uh, she said, oh, I don't know. And I don't know much about Down syndrome, she said. And I'm thinking, well, you should, because mm. this is what people are screening for. This is the most common chromosomal rearrangement. You should know about it. She said, um, what I know is that they're generally very floppy and you might need to hold his chin when you're feeding him. And that was the only information she could give me, apart from a leaflet she gave me, which uh, she wasn't in her office. She kind of looked around for something and found something that had Down. This is this is my take on it anyway. It looks like she found something with Down syndrome written on it, gave it to me. And it was like a med- quite a medical um, booklet that had lots of scary statistics like life expectancy you know my baby hadn't even arrived yet and it gave me the life expectancy uh, the risk of leukemia and dementia and uh, you know thankfully I think um, through you know ca- a lot of campaigning things are a lot different now I would I would like to say th- say that they probably are yeah so these are obviously some of the real challenges that you faced yourself Lou what did um what sort of challenges did you face, John, in the initial stages? My, my biggest challenge was, unfortunately, James's mum, as soon as we got the diagnosis, James's mum didn't really want to know James. Um, um, she didn't bond with him at all. She 
to a large degree, rejected him. I mean, I, I don't mean that in a nasty way. I mean, she did try. Um, um, she just couldn't really bond with him and never, ever did. And then, I mean, ultimately, we split up seven years ago, and I've been James's sole parent ever since. And even to this day, she sees James only really when she has to. Okay. You know, and so that was my biggest challenge, to be honest, because I was living with somebody who really didn't want my son. Yeah. So it wasn't a Down syndrome challenge. It was actually more the challenge with your partner. I mean, the Down yeah. syndrome challenge itself, I didn't really find it as a challenge. Yeah, okay, I had all the, the difficulties of, I mean, James was in nappies until he was four, you know, mm-hmm. and we had the speech problems. He didn't walk till he was about nearly four. You know, James got around everywhere. He shuffled on his bum. And that was how James got around, you know, he, everywhere on his bum. He could fly around a bloody house on his backside. <laughs> just those challenges, but he just lived with them. That was James. That's what he'd done. He didn't walk, so he didn't walk. He needed nappies till he was four. So what? I mean, I still have to wipe James's backside today, and he's 17. <laughs> that's James. That's my son. So yeah. I don't see that as being a problem. And I've never... never I've never seen anything I have to do with James as being a problem. It's he's just different to other children. I have to do different things. Um, we had issues with when he started school. We all have. I mean, I think we all take the attitude when when we're presented with a child that's different. Now I say he's going to live a normal life. He's going to live a normal life, just like everybody else. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And I was adamant he would go into mainstream schooling which I put him into mainstream schooling, and it was the biggest mistake I made. For the first year of James's schooling, he was sat out in a corridor, colouring in all day. When I went to his first parent season, I actually came out and cried Mm. because when they presented me with James's work that he had done over the last year, it was about a dozen colouring in pictures. And James had a one-to-one. You know, he'd got his own one-to-one who was supposed to be there to help him. And it turned out that the one-to-one was just, she was a dinner lady before she became James's one-to-one. And she saw James as a way to become a TA. Ultimately, that's what she wanted, was to be a TA. And James was her foot in the door to be a TA. So she spent being a TA than James's one-to-one. So when we went to the parents' evening and I came out crying because of, I felt I had failed James by putting him through that. And as fast as I possibly could, I took him out of the school. I told the school that he was in, I was doing it. And they called a meeting and all the rest of it, with education authorities, the teacher, the one-to-one and all the rest of it. And between me saying I was taking him out and having this meeting, which was about three weeks, they produced all sorts of work with him, you know, because... (laughs) The one-to-one, her obviously panicked, and she had explained to her that without James in the school, she didn't have a job. So all of a sudden, they produced this work, and they'd spent time with him. And I'd said then, now it was too late, mm. taking him out, and he was going to a special needs school, and that was the best thing I could have done for him. But I was very pig-headed. I was very, now my son's going to lead a normal life. He's not going to be treated different to any other child. He's going to be a normal child. 
I hate the word normal now. I never ever use it. I call them an average child, not a normal child, because there is no such thing as normal. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So I use the word average now, not normal. But the best thing I've done was put him into special needs. And as I say, I've been James's single parent with James now for the last seven years, and I don't regret a single day of it. Mm. Even when I do have to wipe his many arse. <laughs> and Katie, um, do you kind of feel the same as well? Um, as in, you know, we sort of about talking about like, the challenges from when you, you sort of mentioned that you said sort of take every day as it comes. Is is mm-hmm. was that the case? Very, literally, right from the word go. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we just we were lucky. Um, I don't know if you guys had any dealings with um, at the time. It was called Portage. So. Um, that was the first, I mean, obviously Zach was born in 2005. So he's, you know, a, an extra two years on, on James, but he, um, where it was, it was down to, it was an educational thing where they sent around this lady. She was amazing a lady called Candy who's, um, would come round and for the first, I don't know, it must've, must've been from about almost a year, but she would come round and just say to me, you know, because of the, the delays that, children with down syndrome do tend to have i mean um zach was the same with james in nappies till he was four didn't walk until literally the week before he started school he gave me gray hairs on that one because he again (laughs) would bum shuffle but not in a a regular way he would have his legs wide out into the splits and would just shuffle around the room um and i thought he can't do that at school because it'll just get trampled on but he pulled it out the bag um, and the same with the nappies, he decided that he, all of a sudden he was going to not wear a nappy about a month before starting school as well. Um, but, yeah, Candy would come round, and it was lovely. She'd come round once every couple of weeks and just give me ideas on how, you know, the developmental stages that would be expected of a child with Down syndrome, not not your normal child, but a child with, with Down syndrome, um, and ways that I could help him with sitting, and developing all those muscles that he would need because obviously they're you know they're hypermobile um so yeah we just kind of plodded through we were lucky um he he went to nursery and they were pretty decent with him he he went to mainstream look I can't say it mainstream school up until year eight um and we were very well supported um at the school um his one-to-one had met him at the age of three at preschool and decided when he went to Oxley um for at foundation that she would she would go with him and she basically went on all sorts of courses and all the rest of it and she she's worked worked with him all the way through up to year six that's fantastic such continuity is amazing that's lovely for it we were really lucky with that and then we decided you know for secondary he was very well supported like within the community as well, um, that we would give it a go. We knew realistically he wasn't going to be staying at mainstream school forever, um, but we gave it a go and he absolutely loved being at Hazley. He still misses Hazley now because he, um, for year nine upwards, we moved him to Slated Row. Um, and, yeah, absolutely loved that. And the only thing I, I mean, educationally, it was way above his his head but independence-wise, he was—he he just loved it. He took it all in on the chin. He absolutely loved it. The kids were great with him. Um, and that really brought him on, on on those sides of things. Educationally, he didn't. But 
starting Slated Row from year nine upwards, he's, that's, you know, thinking back on it, we should have changed him and, and put him in uh, special needs school earlier. But, you know, we had to weigh up the, actually, for his social socialisation, he's he's done well at mainstream. So, but it's, yeah, we just kind of tried to do as much as we could in terms of try not to segregate him ourselves, but at the same time, protect him where we needed protecting. Mm. Um, and we've, like I say, we've just, we've been lucky, I guess. Brilliant. That's, brilliant. That's great. So Lou, where, where are you at then in terms of um, education and decisions with regard to that? Well, Billy's in year six at the moment in a mainstream primary and he's done really well. I think he amazes me every day. And obviously I know, a lot about his schooling now that I'm doing it myself <laughs> exactly what his abilities are and um I think we've been really lucky with his primary school that they've gone on lots of courses on um how children with Down syndrome learn and mm-hmm. uh, we've had specialist advice from uh Down syndrome teachers uh, throughout his time there so we're thinking uh, mainstream secondary for him uh, a lot of his friends are going to that mm-hmm. school that we've put down. Obviously, he has got a learning disability, but he's already included in 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 his mainstream primary. And mm-hmm. I'd say his main friends are going to mainstream secondary. So we can tick that box in terms of inclusion. It's a really mm-hmm. small school at the moment, the, the, the secondary school, that, uh, that, that is like a feeder from his from his primary school so even throughout the years they, it's a new school so they only have up to year nine when he goes there I think near 10 and all of those a lot of those children are aware of of his needs mm. so that's part of the that's part of the tick box exercise we just need to I just need to persuade his one-to-one from primary like you've said Katie to take it <laughs> so go with him he knows exactly what makes him tick um, mm. how to get the best out of him. So I'm hopeful in his education in in mainstream. Um, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? But we're going to give it a go. And I think a lot of children these days with Down syndrome do do okay in in mainstream secondaries if they've got mm. the right support. And that's right the support, yeah. Okay, it's not for every, you know, not for every child. Um, and we have got a really good uh, special needs um secondary school here which I have uh you know earmarked if we if if he doesn't thrive there we're not going to keep him there if he doesn't thrive but I'm hopeful yeah I'm hopeful yeah okay that's great so um so both Katie and Lou so you're saying that um the kind of acceptance in the schools particularly with the staff and the children is is pretty good john mm. did in terms of james was were the were the children accepting of him but the teaching not good the children were absolutely fantastic with jim mm. yeah they were actually really protective of him i mean there mm. was one incident i'll never forget where i was dropping him off at school and we had to wait in the playground before they went in and james went off and played with the other kids like you know in the bills and i was stood over to where to the sides watching James mixing with the other kids. And somebody actually hit James. Another child actually punched him. And all of a sudden, all these other kids just <laughs> warmed around, why did you hit James? And were very, very protective of him. So the, the actual children were, were fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, a couple of the teachers in the school were fantastic with James. There was one in particular that was absolutely amazing. Unfortunately, he was only in her class for a fairly short time, 
it was when he moved to another class that started having the difficulties. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm still in touch with that lady to this day, you know, because she was absolutely amazing with him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think I just got unlucky, to be honest, mm-hmm. with, the with the staff that he had. But the other children were fantastic. Again, it comes back to the fact you can be unlucky with any school, with any child, yeah. can't you? So yeah. um, it just depends upon how good that school and the teachers within it mm-hmm. are. So Lou and Casey, mm-hmm. you're saying you know, the other people went on courses, they did, they mm-hmm. found out stuff, and they they both your um, one-to-ones know how or knew how your child ticks and mm-hmm. that's that's obviously really important i'm interested in so you say sort of within the schools generally speaking particularly the the, the children were accepting uh protective etc what what's been your experience just in general so let's go back to perhaps when um you first had your children so the reaction of family friends and and just generally other people, you know, wh- how did you feel that society kind of accepted you or not when you when you first sort of went out into those took those first tentative steps out, say maybe with the buggy into the mm-hmm. wide world, or you had to tell your friends or family, and uh, maybe I don't know, Katie, should we start with you? Uh, yeah, I guess um, so. Friends and family wise, couldn't have had more support. Everybody was amazing. Um, obviously we told immediate immediate family like the, our parents and sisters um as soon as his, he was born but waited sort of a few days told everyone that he was born um but didn't confirm the down syndrome part until um sort of i don't know four or five days later um but everyone was really very very supportive um didn't have any issue like you know nobody upset me or or said anything to trigger us off with anything um the the one thing that used to really and now I'm just like that if anyone says things but the one thing that used to really grate on me was oh but they're so loving aren't they that's the only thing that's the only thing anybody could say oh but they're so loving aren't they and it's like yeah and they're stubborn as but yeah um (laughs) you know but yeah absolutely but yeah the to start off with um as a baby in a buggy um a lot of stairs a hell of a lot of stairs and that used to really upset me to start with not to the point of tears but I'd just be I'd kind of glare back and be like you okay <laughs> and like everything all right there um, and then I I don't know when I just stopped being bothered by it because I was like oh, whatever I just completely I don't know maybe stop looking at other people um I guess I don't know yeah I don't know whether it was my own sort of panic of are people going to like him or are people accepting him and stuff like that but I just yeah I gave up after a while um and I've not really had any comments about him just apart from the loving um and they give good cuddles that's another one um so yeah again I think because I've stopped scrutinizing everybody that's looking at him I've yeah I've I've turned a blind eye to it maybe I'm not noticing it anymore but initially I did and that was quite upsetting yeah understandably 
understandably mm. so. So, um, Lou, then, so how about yourself? Well, very similarly, we got a lot of support from my family. Funnily enough, I asked my mum recently, you know, how did she feel? Because I don't remember her telling me, giving me much advice or anything, but she said she was worried. Uh, but mm. she didn't say that to me. She thought it would be hard for me. She thought mm. um, that it would be hard for Nathan, my son, my other son, and uh, that how was I going to give Nathan attention, attention when I had a disabled child? She didn't know anything about anything about Down mm. syndrome either. She was worried that he wasn't going to walk and he wasn't going to talk, and but obviously that that's not the case. But um, a couple of things, really, but nothing major. One of my mm. friends said to me, um, "She couldn't." She said, "I can't. I couldn't do what you're doing." And I'm thinking, <laughs> like, "What? I'm being. I'm being a parent." Obviously, they're thinking. Perhaps I think perhaps they wouldn't have, had, you know, chosen to have a child like mm. ours. But um, and also at school, I remember when Billy started, one of his little friends had said, "You know, what's wrong with him?" Uh, honestly, it's just an innocent child thing, and yeah. ill. So I, you know, explained that's just how he is. And then I went to the school and they said, please, can I do an assembly on Down syndrome and how, you know, how. But that's me. Not everybody would do that. Mm. But I, I made, made the school realise that, um, you know, if they're going to be inclusive, then their pupils need to know what Down mm. syndrome is and and what how that would affect uh, Billy, really. So I'm, I probably am a pushy mum at school and that's uh that's how I dealt with that but you know most people have been really good you know over the years yeah we struggled a bit perhaps sometimes my friends didn't realize like you were saying with the push chair that it takes me longer because he he didn't walk till he was three it took me longer mm-hmm. to get out of the car and they were already in the park and I'm still in the car park yeah stuff like that but nothing that made me you know want to scream yeah but nothing that made me want to scream Okay, John. What about you? What was your sort of experience? I had mixed um, experiences. Family. James hated my mother from the day he was born. <laughs> he had absolutely nothing to do with her. From the from the day he was born, he did not like the woman. To the day she died, unfortunately, about four okay. years ago, he never had anything to do with her. He did not like her, and he refused to have anything to do with her. We didn't have much contact anyway, so it wasn't really an issue. Um, my, my father and his family, it was James wasn't good enough. And it caused a lot of family issues. Um, other people, friends, are amazing with James. Everybody loves James. He's everybody's mate. And he loves everybody. He, you know, they absolutely love him to death. You get a lot of issues with other children using the retard. And I, I hate that word of a vengeance. I, I really do. I mean, people have used the word retard, and I can quite happily punch them in the face because they just they don't understand what they're saying. It's just a word, but it's a very, very hurtful word. Of course. Um, with other children around James, quite often I got a lot of children saying, "What's wrong with James? Why does James?" watch cartoons, why does he watch childish programs, why does he do this? And the best way I learned to deal with it is I would explain to the children, James is Peter Pan. Mm. James is my Peter Pan. He's my little boy who will never grow up because his mind is different to theirs. Mm. And they just, oh, okay, and accept that. And that is how they look upon him now. 
you know, other children that have come into his life now, you know, my partner's children, grandchildren, they understand that James is not as old in his mind as what they are. And they accept that. You're putting it into their terms. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lovely way of putting it, I think. Yeah, I love that. Right. Okay, so right at the start, we um, mentioned... uh, the lovely Richard Dawkins controversial statement where he said when faced with a hypothetical question about whether to carry a, a child, child with Down syndrome to term, um, abort it, try again. It would be immoral to bring it into the world if you have a choice. Uh, and then he tried to justify his statements by saying his suggestion or his view was rooted in the moral principle of reducing overall suffering wherever possible. In this case, that of the individuals born with Down syndrome and their families. Um, now, have any of you suffered? No. Having a Down syndrome child? Nothing. And have no, you... no suffering here. And, and what about your, your children? Do you feel they've suffered? No. I think my, I've got two younger ch- um, children that are younger than Zach. Um, and we made the choice of having two. Uh, we weren't always going to have three kids, but we decided after having our second child, Remy, that actually when Zach gets older, he is going to rely on his siblings as well as, as us. But of course, we won't be around forever. Um, so we figured, well, well, we'll throw another one in the pot and then he can rely on two siblings and not just the one. Um, and actually, they're from seeing the way he can take a little bit longer in in order to achieve things, um, that things don't come naturally and easily to him, it actually gives them a sense of appreciation for what they can do and how quickly they can do things. Um, It highlights, you know, that not life isn't always easy and that you do have to work at things and don't take things for granted. Um, And I think quite a lot of people have said to us that actually, you know, when I was at school, I didn't know anybody with Down syndrome and I was actually quite frightened of people um, with any sort of disability because it was like, I don't know how to talk to them, what am I going to say, what, what if they try and hurt me or, or anything like that? And I used to be terrified, um, you know, of any sort of interaction. And actually, why? <laughs> because all they want to do is talk to you, all they want to do is please you They take absolute pride in everything they do and every little achievement that they 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 do get. I mean, Zach does um, dance. He goes to um, the normal, shall we say, um, CFDA dance school, as do the other two. And he's just done his street exam and he managed to get 93 out of 100 for two dances that he did because he's spot on. He knows what he's doing. He can perform. But he performs his dances a hundred times, ten times better than anybody else because it's just, it brings him alive. And he doesn't just go through the emotions, he goes for it. He he has no inhibitions. He doesn't care what anyone else is thinking. Oh, um, and that's the sort of thing that these children bring to the world and it enhances our lives because it's, you know, why why are we getting so upset about that? that it means nothing. Look at what, you know, it opens a whole new world to you. And we've both said, God, I'd love to live in Zach's little bubble of, you know, general happy-go-lucky, doesn't see bad in in people unless they are bad. He doesn't like um, any sort of aggression or anything like that, but, you know, he takes it to heart and 
he just he's just such a lovely kid. <laughs> you know, like so, the other two are, but yeah. It's been a positive experience for for you, your family, uh, and yeah, your absolutely. other children then. So it's always so brilliant. much. Yeah, yeah, so much to us. And other people, you know, within the schools, other parents have said to me how lucky they think their kids are to have had that awareness of a child with Down syndrome, a child, a child with a disability. And, it, you know, and there, there hasn't been any um, negative um, interactions with anybody to do with him. It's all been positive. So, yeah, I think it's, he's enhanced people's lives. Brilliant. Definitely. Great. So, John. My life with James has been enriched. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest fear for James is what happens to James when I'm gone. Mm. And that's the fear I live with every day. Um, and it made me, that's how I met you, Steve. Because I felt like that, I had to look at my own life. So I went out and I lost six and a half stone. I joined the gym and took up running, met bloody crazy spinning instructors. <laughs> and, and you know, and you know, I ran five marathons, a couple of hundred half marathons, because because I was a single parent and I couldn't go out to work. It was okay. James is going off to school. What am I going to do with myself? Mm. So James would go off to school, and I'd go on a ten, fifteen mile run mm. because I need to keep myself healthy for James. I've got to try and outlive him. I think you've mentioned on Facebook and stuff about uh, James's uh, love of a superhero party. Um, oh, James and- is superhero mad. It's James's yeah. entire life is superheroes, and he and he's just he's decided with James. There's only two days in the year that matter: Christmas Day and his birthday. As soon as one, <laughs> same as Zach. <laughs> yeah. So once we got Christmas out of the way, he announced last week that his birthday this year, he's having a superhero party. And everybody's got to come as a superhero. And we're having pizza, ham wraps, and chicken and cheeseburgers for the food. And we're having lots of music because he absolutely loves dancing. And he absolutely mm-hmm. loves singing. He's a born performer. Like, yeah. he's, honestly, God, he, he, you give him a mic and a stage, and he's you have to drag him off. Yeah. Same with Jonathan. We went out last New Year's Eve. The only place I really socialise is the New Bradwell Sports Club. So I'm involved with the football side of things there. And that's where we've always socialised. And everybody there loves James. He's part of everybody's mm. family. And he looks upon everybody there as his mate. Mm-hmm. He just he doesn't see bad in anybody. He hasn't got a bad bone in his body. All he wants to be is everybody's friend. Yeah. So New Year's Eve, we went over there last year. And he was up there with the football team. You know, these are 20-year-old 20 20 guys and that. And danced non-stop for four hours on the dance floor. And then had the cheek to send me home to get him a clean shirt because the one he was wearing was soaking wet. <laughs> and I only lived 20 yards from the, from the cricket club, so I was able to go and get him one. But yeah, sent me home to get him a clean shirt. And I said, well, why don't you go get now I'm here with my mates? Mm-hmm. You know, and he's a born performer. He just loves to sing. He loves to dance. You, you say he's enriched your life. It sounds like he's also enriched the life of others. And, and that's amazing too, isn't it? Well, you mentioned it yourself um, when I mentioned I don't put a lot on Facebook about myself. I don't like Facebook, to be honest. And I very rarely put anything on there about me. 
But I celebrate every achievement or anything that James does that makes me smile on Facebook. People genuinely are interested. If I go for a while without putting something on there, people say, what's going on with James? How's he getting on? You haven't put anything on Facebook about him. You know, they're more interested in him than me. But my life has been so enriched having James. It really, really has. That's, well, that's that's really great to hear. And and so, Lou, what about you? I can, I can reiterate what they've all said as well. Billy has no inhibitions and he has a pure soul. Mm-hmm. He's kind of magic. I don't, it's very difficult to put it into words, but but what a lovely way to be, you know, to mm-hmm. have no inhibitions, to just like um, hug whenever he wants to. Um he he's a bit of a performer as well, you know. My mm. my life with Billy has been a massive adventure and a and a great adventure, and I hope it continues to be such an adventure. I mean, uh, Billy Billy's got Billy's got an agent. He's been in a film. Oh, uh, oh really? Wow! Yeah, but only it was a teeny tiny part. Yeah, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's incredible. I don't think it matters as well. And if he only the only thing that he does is is this one film, you know, he might, he might have a career. You never know in, yeah. in, in that type of thing. But even if he doesn't, I don't care because we had this moment. He was in a film with uh, Woody Harrelson and Owen Wilson, and he had like one minute at the end of the film. But it was such a massive adventure for for both of us actually. Well, the whole family, but mainly me because it was. Um, it was me that was chaperoning him. It was a massive adventure, which we never would have had, um, mm-hmm. you know, had Billy not been, you know, unusual or, or, or different, I guess. But, you know, different, I think it's made me, having Billy has made me embrace difference much mm-hmm. more. Like you were saying, Kate, I was I was terrified of disabled mm-hmm. people. They scared yeah. me. I mean, I grew up um, in the, my teenage years were in the 80s and Life for people with Down syndrome was really different then. They they, mm. they weren't educated like they are now. And um, yeah. I was terrified. But honestly, Billy makes me laugh when I'm feeling rubbish. He um, he makes me smile. You know, saying asking about things that we find difficult, I find it quite difficult, difficult to discipline Billy, for sure. Because <laughs> like the naughty step with my eldest son worked a treat because I think he got <laughs> lived at the top of the stairs. Billy loves the naughty step. You know, I learned quite early on, you know, you are going, I don't think we're supposed to call it naughty step now anymore, are we? Because the negative <laughs> connotations, but you're going on the step uh, and you have to think about what you've just done. He loved it. He didn't want to come up the naughty step. He'd stay there all day. So, you know, you have to think around that type of thing. But honestly, yeah, even when Billy's been moody and, and, and not that loving child with Down syndrome that everybody mm. expects, yeah, life with him is definitely an adventure, and I needed that in my life at that time. Mm. I'd, I'd been made redundant; I wasn't happy with my job, and now um, Billy's given my life more of a purpose in terms of, you know, the the Down syndrome support group that I started, and you know, trying to change things a bit mm. for people with Down syndrome. Yeah, I I think it's made me. It really has made me as a person, and it's and he absolutely has enhanced our family. Yeah. I'd go along with that, James. I, I couldn't imagine not having... I suffer a lot with depression, and I have done for a good few years. And James is my medicine. Yes. Mm. Yeah. James comes down in the morning. The first thing, again, everything is a ritual. He comes down with now after have his breakfast. Very nice. but the first thing James does when he walks into a room is gives me a big hug. Mm. 
the first thing James does when he walks in the door from school is we have a big hug. Mm. And, you know, and it's, it's very hard to be down when he's around. You know, mm. no matter how you're feeling, it's very, very difficult to be down because he just loves, he walks into a room and he lights it up. You know, and I, I don't know. I'm a great believer, you know, and everything in life happens for a reason. Yeah. And what is meant to be will always be. And James was meant to be. Mm. Um, he went through a, a few obstacles getting here, as by the sound of it, so did Zach. Mm-hmm. But he, he was born and he's here. He was meant to be here and he was meant to be here for, as much for me as I am for him. Mm. I know that sounds a bit silly, but that's just how I see it. No, I don't think that's silly at all, John. I think, mm. that's, that's, I, mean, I think that's beautifully put. And mm. and I think that's, you know, I think hopefully people hearing that will hear, obviously, the sincerity in your voice and, and, and also how much you love your child. So I, I wouldn't say that's a silly thing to say at all. I mean, when you say about this guy that made the, the stupid quote, people say things because they want shock factor, they want shock value out of it. So they say things like that. I just look at people like that and think, ignorant, mm. end of. And that is the only thought, the only thought I would give to that man and his comment is ignorant, move on. But yeah, I think with that quote, um it I go back to, I always go back to three days after having Zach, the doctor that came in to confirm that he had Down syndrome saying to me, I can't tell you the future of your child, but I can't tell any of those mothers out there the future of their child. Nobody can tell you the future of the child that's in your tummy. So to say whether or not, you know, even if they've got Down syndrome, if they've got any other disability, you can't tell until that baby's born, until that baby's 15, 17, 18, 20. You can't tell what's going to happen. You just, you go along with it. And, you know, we've all got experience of there's no suffering with having Down syndrome. There are challenges um, like there would be with other disabilities, but, you know, another way I look at it is, is my son. I've always known my son's not going to grow up to have a drug habit. He's not going to grow yeah. up to be a criminal. He's not going to murder anybody. I agree. I think people worry about the unknown, and I've always said mm. that with Billy, it's actually the known because we, like you said, we know more or less what uh, what he's capable of. We know how mm. he learns. We know how to get yeah. the best out of them. We know yeah. what they're good at. We know what kind yeah. of health conditions he's likely to to encounter it's it's actually a different path and we're in a privileged position that we actually absolutely know quite a lot of you know the capabilities of our children it's the known that's what I see, when when Zach was younger and we were struggling like um, John was saying with James struggling with the speech we went and did I went to do a um, speech and language course and um, to learn some sign yeah. And I remember sitting in that room, I think Zach was only, he must have been about three then, so I'd, I'd gone along on this course and sitting around this room and they were asking each parent um, about, you know, why they'd come and all the rest of it. And I just thought, after hearing a lot of the parents, I thought, oh my God, I'm so lucky my child has got a label, but I know why he's got a speech issue. I know he's going to struggle with speech, but some of these parents were like, I just don't understand, you know, and they didn't know why their children were struggling to speech. And I was like, well, that's got downs. I know he's going to struggle because his, his tongue's too big and, you know, he can't hear the sounds properly because he's got a hearing, bit of a hearing delay. So I felt really fortunate at that point that I knew 
Whereas these poor parents are thinking, oh, my God, they don't even know, you know, what their what their issues are because yeah, quite, their children are technically normal, as they call them. So, yeah, we are, like Lou says, we're very, very lucky because we know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, just, I keep saying I, I can honestly say with my hand on my heart, there's not one thing I regret about having James or... Yeah the life I have with him. I mean, I look forward to every day with him. You know, he he's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, I, I've had to resolve myself to the fact that James will be part of James will be with me to the day I die. James he's not going to grow up and go and go, go off and get a job and get his own house and live happily ever after. James will always be part of my life. And James, you know, my life is James. So what? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd rather be with my son for the rest of my life, yeah. who I love unconditionally and who loves me unconditionally, mm. than be in a marriage that isn't happy. Mm. Whereas with Billy, I'm really looking forward to him, you know, having an independent life. And, you know, I don't I don't want him for Billy, I don't want him to rely on, on Nathan. I want him to be, you know, more independent. independent. Yeah. A lot of people with Down syndrome and more and more people Down syndrome are doing nowadays getting married. I, I want to go to his wedding, you know, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm still around. Yeah. I want to go to James's wedding or the rest of it. But I mean, I have to be a realist with James. James is never going to have the mental capacity to have an independent life. And um, James is mental age. I mean, James is 17. His mental age is probably six and it will never be more than maybe eight or nine. Mm. So I, I accept that, you know. I mean, he may surprise everybody and all of a sudden things will change, but it's very, very unlikely. You've got to be a realist. Mm-hmm. I mean, every child is different and every child with Down syndrome is different. Yeah. You know, but just because they've got Down syndrome doesn't mean they're all the same. They exactly, are all yeah. different their own characters, their own abilities, their own needs. Well, it's, it's like any of the disabilities. There's there's such a spectrum, isn't there? With autism, there's a huge spectrum, and with Down syndrome, there's a huge spectrum of di- differing abilities, and you know, so yeah, you can't. Nobody can predict anything really, especially when the baby's in the tummy. I mean, I have got. We bumped into very bizarrely friends of Wayne's from back in his college days, and they said to us, "Look, oh, it's really bizarre that we bumped into you because." We were going to ask you some questions about Zach. They um, had become, uh, she'd become pregnant and they had done, because now they do these extra scans and all the rest of it. And they'd said to her, it's very likely that your baby has Down syndrome um, and were pretty much pressing on them the negative and saying, you know, you can get rid, you can do this, you can do that. And she said she felt that there was a lot of negativity around it. And then asked us the questions and we said, look, don't believe the hype. It's all good. Everything's fine. But actually, she had the baby and there was nothing wrong, nothing wrong. No, no Down syndrome, no other disabilities. So had she have listened to the medical and thought, actually, no, we we need to, you know, do the right thing here as they're telling us to, she would have aborted a perfectly healthy child. So, you know. That, that, yeah, that's actually, terrible, isn't it? And I think yeah, it is. Yeah. It's scary that people, you know, they think just because they've seen a little something on a scan that they can tell people, you know, or oh, there's a, there's a high chance of this. Maybe you shouldn't have this child. It's just it's disgusting. 
So, Lou, did you want to explain a little bit more about support group? Because obviously that leads quite nicely into what you do, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when I when I had Billy, I felt that, that there wasn't a lot of support in our local area. Um, although I did uh, join uh, our local... Um, well, it's a, a, a Down syndrome support group within a, a larger area called pos, um, providing a support for children and families with Down syndrome, PSDS. Um, but I wanted to be part of a very smaller, a smaller, more local support group where we could share experiences of our local authorities and our local health authorities and paediatricians and um, therapists and things. So I set up my own support group, Get called get on downs i want it to sound like a party um and also i thought what would make me go, go to a support group and i thought well good coffee a lot of support groups have really bad coffee cake <laughs> we call it it's cake therapy uh, i'll mm-hmm. go anywhere for cake and the occasional yeah. spa day um so that that was my support group and through that i became part of a network of support groups and i met um the founder of uh, Positive About Down Syndrome, which is a national uh, new kind of uh, organisation that uh, it started off with a website that was written for parents, written by parents for parents, uh, but it's expanded kind of exponentially to provide um, kind of national online support. We've got a support page for people who are expecting a child with Down syndrome will have a high chance of having a child with Down mm. syndrome, which is a really nurturing environment where you can, you know, share your experiences and your fears. And um, and also on that group, we have um, medical professionals that have children with Down syndrome. So you're getting more specific advice that you wouldn't necessarily mm. get uh, elsewhere. And also from that, you can go to the new parents group and then there's a preschool parents. We've got dad's groups. We've got uh, grandparents groups. So there is a lot of support there that wasn't there when I had Billy, mm. which I wish we'd had. And with Positive About Down Syndrome, I'm now the um, maternity coordinator. Saying that it's changed my life, it totally has changed my life having Billy. I now have a tiny job, uh, which is a maternity, well, it's a massive uh, undertaking I'm the maternity coordinator to try and get positive about Down syndrome into all maternity units in the UK oh wow oh so we're all that's brilliant on the same page so that you don't get that you know I'm touched upon training and um, mm. language and professionals not knowing the lived experience of mm-hmm. of, of Down syndrome today um, mm. so the idea is to just kind of get into maternity units and educate them in terms of what parents have experienced their bad experiences and their good experiences and make sure that those bad experiences don't happen so yeah I think there's a lot of support out there now I know Kate said you've not read anything but for me I needed to talk to people (laughs) I needed to meet people I needed somebody to tell me it was going to be okay yeah wherever I looked I didn't really find that until I uh, got in uh, got in contact with PSDS um where going to their first group meeting was was like was quite euphoric actually seeing that all everyone had a child like mine everyone mm. I wasn't the odd one out I was the norm and um and that made a big difference to me and that's why I wanted to kind of bring it to our local area and from that it's you know it's become more of a national uh campaign that I've been part of which has been amazing 
incredible. Congratulations. I love it. What we'll do is when we put this out, um, we'll put all the links and everything as well with it. To end on a a really positive note, um, particularly if there are people out there um, who are just being given a diagnosis that their their child is going to have Down syndrome or just had a child uh, with Down syndrome and are worried about what the future might hold, I know it's a big question to ask, but if you had a succinct message to give them, what would you say to them? And we'll start with Katie because she's looking nice and poised and ready. <laughs> oh, um, I don't know. I would say take a moment and breathe. Think about babies in general. And I will go, I'll go back to what the doctor said to me and, you can't predict any child's future. So don't assume that because your child has been diagnosed with Down syndrome, that it's not going to be able to achieve anything because kids with Down syndrome are getting themselves out there and they are getting more support and they are included and everybody loves them. <laughs> so there's the struggles. There are struggles, but they're not there. There's nothing there that you can't handle and can't deal with. It just and it makes the achievements that they do when they finally do achieve that sitting and walking. It's it far outweighs the achievement that my my poor other children <laughs> when they sat. It was like that. Yeah, oh, I was expecting that. Oh, yeah, you crawled. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but when Zach did it, it was like that. Come on, Zach. So you know, it it really is. It's a, it's amazing. Don't don't knock it. <laughs> okay, cool. Lou? I would just say don't be scared. Don't be scared of difference. Um, it will be okay. Like Kate just said, it's not something that you can't do. You will have challenges, but it's not insurmountable. You can do it. There is support out there. There is help there. And, uh, yeah, just don't be scared and ask for help when you need it because there are people willing to help you. Mm. Brilliant. And finally, John? All I would really say is, look, none of us know what tomorrow's going to bring. Take one day at a time. Don't try and cross bridges until you get to them. And when you get to them, then you can cross them one at a time. You've got a future of enrichment and love ahead of you. Mm. But you don't want patience. They will achieve everything that other child will achieve. It'll just take them that little bit longer. And when they do achieve it, it'll be that bit special. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, look, Alex and I are, are so grateful that you all joined us. Thank you so much for your time. It's been brilliant. It's been inspiring. Um, it really and, has. It's been a real eye-opener for me, I have so, to be honest. It's been awesome. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Well done, everybody. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank that has probably been one of the most interesting discussionariums. And if we sort of backtrack and go back to the quote from Richard Dawkins earlier on, um, it's fairly clear, certainly from my point of view, um, that he hasn't spent as much time as perhaps he should with um, people with Down syndrome. I think it's a very clinical statement and just written from an academic's perspective. So it really isn't nuanced in any way and uh, doesn't take into account, obviously, the fact that people with down syndrome are people first they just happen to have down syndrome i'd like to think that in the course of this discussion area and all the positive input we've had from our three guests that we've debunked that statement i mean they they all three of them 
to a person said their lives have been enriched, uh, their lives have been bettered, and um, their lives are different and maybe not what they mapped out for themselves uh, when they first knew they were going to have children. Uh, but it's been a journey for them and one that they've all enjoyed and loved, I think. Oh, completely. But I think we have to acknowledge that that's the perspective of our guests, and there's no denying that they themselves have found the situation challenging at times. Um, and it may not always be positive for everyone. Mm. You know, a, having a child is a journey, it is a challenge, but we all face different challenges. Um, and yeah, I, I just see it as, as just just a slightly different challenge. You know, no better, no worse, just a different one. Yeah, I think the the thing that sort of uh, I found quite shocking is the is the sort of the sense that perhaps the medical profession is, is is kind of trying to steer people towards the decision uh, of terminating when they find out their child is likely to have Down syndrome. But as Katie said about her friends, you know, there was a, a good chance that their child would have Down syndrome, but it didn't. If you feel railroaded, that can't be right. But if you feel that you haven't got enough information to make that decision, then, you know, there are places that you can go to find out about and as Lou said certainly she's trying to get as much information into possible as possible into as many maternity units as possible throughout the country so that people have information and the medical professions have information to help make those choices okay so talking about being a little bit more informed um there is a fantastic website www.positiveaboutdownsyndrome.co.uk um and it's a charity by parents for parents and for parents to be um lou works for this charity um and um, also there is a book available to purchase on there called hashtag nobody told me and uh, hashtag nobody told me is a collection of personal experiences written by young people with Down syndrome, their friends and family. And it challenges the outdated perceptions and attitudes towards those with Down syndrome by showing the reality of their lives. So, Lou, it's also part of a support group called Get On Downs, which also has its own Facebook page if you want to get in contact and get some more information on there. Yeah, she mentioned that. There's cake available. So if nothing else, cake and good coffee, um, that's a, a reason to go. Um, but also, if you want to contact her, uh, it's getondowns at btinternet.com. So we'll put all of that on, on our Facebook page uh, and on Instagram. So if you want to go and look at those at the discussion area on Facebook, or Hunters Down, the discussion area on Instagram, you can find all those links and the information on there. I think that's been a fantastic discussion area. It's been very, very informative. Um, yeah, I have to say I've really enjoyed it this week. No, I agree. It was uh, inspiring listening to them, uh, and it was great to hear um, all their sort of positive feelings uh, about their children. Uh, just great. So I hope we've mission accomplished, um, but uh, do get in touch. Let us know what you think at the discussion area on Facebook or info at collieinthecorner.com. We'll be back next time. Thanks ever so much for listening. Bye for now. Bye, everyone.
And just in case you're now screaming at the podcast going, no, I listened all the way through and you mentioned Billy was in a film, but you never actually said what the film was. Well, we had a little bit of a technical glitch and had to edit that out. But so as you know, Billy's film was Lost in London. And interestingly, it was the first live streamed film. So Billy's had a small part in history. He's in the last five minutes of the film and it was filmed live on Waterloo Bridge at 3 a.m. Rest easy. The Discussionarium is a Collie in the Corner production, presented by Steve Cullis and Alex Baggs, edited and produced by Steve Cullis. The theme tune and incidental music were both composed using an application called BandLab, which is available in the Play Store, also probably available on the Apple Store too.